Welcome to Connecting the Dots, where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. Today, we'll be talking about the keys to making your design and developer handoff a success and how to avoid common pitfalls. My name is Jesus Moreno. I'm a front end developer at Xpero, and you can ask me about hosting meetups during a pandemic. Today, I'm joined by my coworkers, Phil Gambling, Kareem Jamal, and Johnny Hill. Hi, my name is Phil Gambling, the technical lead at Xpero with front end development tendencies. You can ask me why I think Vue is just all right. Hey, my name is Kareem Jamal, senior architect and self proclaimed joke king here at Xpero. You can ask me about community involvement. I'm Johnny Hill. I'm a senior UX designer at Xperio. You can ask me about UX and visual design for complex apps, how user testing saves time, money, and heartache, and of course, where to find the best breakfast tacos in Austin. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about um, design handoffs and what makes for a successful one and how the different disciplines kind of approach the design handoff process. So I guess I'll start us off. What do you guys think makes for a successful design handle? I mean, I, I would say one of the most important aspects is collaboration and like a high level of communication between the developers and the designers. Because otherwise it's kind of, you, you have like this thing in the middle between you two that you're hoping you're on the same page about. Um, but there are going to be details that that thing misses, whether it's a spec document or a PDF or whatever. So having the high level and high quality communication with that kind of fostering the communication, I think is key. Yeah, yeah. kind of echoing that communication and just like, I, you know, kind of sounds a little like um, silly, but like having a level of trust in, in the designer that uh, they've thought of a lot of things that you're, you know, that you're not going to have to think of later. Cause like, oh yeah, I know Johnny's probably already gotten signed for XYZ state that's going to come up but right you'll come back to them and it's never uh it's never just like a one and done like here's a design bio i'm going on vacation it's like here's a design and send me any questions you have and we'll collaborate right for me it's yeah echoing that it's basically the two c's right communication and clarity um communication to know what the the intent was and what we're really building and how much of it and just clear enough clarity in the designs to be able to take it and go with it, knowing that you have communication uh, continuously to refine and understand the nitty gritty uh, aspects of it. Right, and I think on top of that, you need a certain level, like, like Phil was saying, you need trust. Uh, and then at least from the design standpoint, you need a certain level of humility because you're gonna get some pushback on, hey, uh, that thing is going to be hard to implement or that doesn't work with the library we're using. I need you to revisit it or, Hey, I see something you missed. I need you to go back and fix that. Cause uh, yeah, you, you can kind of, as the designer, get married to your ideas and your designs and you need to be flexible enough to realize when those need to change. And I think it goes both ways. It's also respect for the designer, right? A lot of devs who haven't worked with designers sort of have their own views on what things should be. Uh, and it's like, no, this should be this way. And it's like, no, trust the designer. I mean, they they are working in these designs and understanding and learning all these patterns and stuff. And, you know, really at a much higher and deeper level than, uh, you know, developers are getting into. So it's, it's trust and respect, really. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Yeah, I know since I've kind of been on Xperia, like Xperia being my first professional job and just kind of seeing how that has been throughout the years. I think when I first joined, I, I wanted the design handoff to be what I'm building. I wanted it to cover everything from margins to patterns to different states that components were going to be in. I wanted that all to be in one place. And I think as you get more experience, you kind of start to realize that the work that you're paid to do comes in in those gaps, right? Being able to communicate what those gaps are. I'm coming at it from an implementation level. The designer's coming at it from how it should work for the for what the client wants, right? And being able to kind of bridge that gap is kind of what we get paid to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like a good, a good front-end developer is able to see, like, like you said, in between the lines, see the missing pieces and help improve that design, you know, by giving useful feedback, not just complaining that, oh, it's missing something. It's more like, hey, it's missing this. I was thinking maybe it should work like this, given some other, you know, implementation detail I now know. And, and it's getting to a nice, uh equilibrium point that you both sides understand the correct level of delivery right so you don't want to have too little detail in the wireframes or your artifacts that you're handing off but you don't necessarily want to spend too much time on it that's excessive and uh, probably could have been uh, you know figured out just by looking at uh, you know a different set of wireframes or some other uh, analogs to it right the handoff process always changes things or brings things to light that need to be addressed that you either missed in the requirements process. So you need to go back and get product input on that um, or, or just brings things to light that, oh yeah, that, that was designed well and everyone approved it and liked it. But now that we're kind of getting into building it, it doesn't quite work as well as we thought. And of course, user testing is a big part of that, but um, a, a big part of it is also just that implementation process and the collaborating with someone getting it built. I guess this is this next question is a little bit more for Johnny, but um, how do you as a designer think about creating a document that's going to be handed off to a developer? Like what kind of things, what kinds of things are you trying to cover? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to cover the basic things like padding and color and size and placement. Uh, I tend to be a real stickler for like pixel perfection. So if I have something placed and it has this much margin on one screen, and I reuse that same component in another screen, it needs to match perfectly, um, which sometimes is helpful, but it also can, like what Kareem said, it can get a little bit too much into the, the details where it doesn't matter that much. Uh, but yeah, a lot of times my, my goal is to just try to communicate clearly what are the primary interactions we're trying to cover. In the tool that I primarily use for communicating specs, uh, it's a tool called Zeppelin. I'll litter those things with comments and notes that are basically just little, hey, this does this, or hey, we're using this component, we're using uh, this plugin for this. Uh, so just trying to give context to the screens and not just say, hey, here's a 20 page PDF of screens. I hope you can sort of figure out the flow, but by working in things like showing, here's a mouse cursor showing what the focus is, and this is what the state looks like in that situation. And here are three comments that explain what the user's trying to accomplish. Uh, that, that's sort of some of the tools that I'll use to try to communicate my intent. Um, and then from there that, you know, that fosters more communication and collaboration between developers and designers on if there are things that are missing or things that aren't clear. 
And so one thing to note there is that these artifacts, um, you know, aren't just being thrown over the wall uh, and, you know, to be consumed by developers, right? So one thing we should discuss is really the, the handoff meeting. And it's not just a single event, it's, you know, multiple and ongoing. But, you know, even before, uh, you know, all these artifacts get delivered to the developer, um, you know, the designers and developers sit together and, you know, Johnny will, in, in this case, explain, you know, what these things are, the comments, the, his, his reasoning for a lot of this. There, it's possible, you know, on one page, something's a little off. So, you know, the developer might note that and, uh, you know, bring it up to where he's going to say, oh, that's just, a, you know, uh, a design typo type thing, right? Um, or in some cases, it's more like, hey, this has a padding of seven pixels, but uh, the UI library we're using has a standard of 10. You know, is that seven pixels intentional? Sometimes it will be. Sometimes it's like, no, just use the default the library is doing so we don't have to, you know, overwrite it everywhere, right? So there's, there's those types of things that happen in these handoff meetings, which are critical. Um, so don't just assume it's, you know, almost like a waterfall type, uh, throw over the wall type thing that the developer then has to take and start understanding from scratch. Right. And like you said, those yeah. are often ongoing conversations. Like oftentimes the, the most uh, questions that all that I and a developer will go over are, are ad hoc on Slack where we thought we were on the same page and then, hey, I noticed this, this and this. Can you jump on a call real quick and we can, <laughs> we can make sure we're on the same page. Um, and that's often, a, it's very time effective, but it's also just very efficient because it's in the moment conversation uh, rather than trying to recall back to, well, we were supposed to get all these things sorted out in that meeting a week ago, and now I can't bother you again. Uh, that's, that's not very helpful for, for when you're trying to communicate these kinds of details. And, and micro interactions are a great example of that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. from the design side, just mapping out and designing several micro interactions is time consuming. Uh, but it's also something that can be discussed quickly over a call or at Slack, you know, conversation. Um, and it's, it still gets the same point across just m much more efficiently. Right. Yeah. And that this kind of pivots us into the next topic. Uh, what do developers think about when they get a design? Yeah. Um, echoing some of the things, like obviously the easy things like font, padding, dimensions, margin, that, that stuff level of effort, you know, like how hard, you know, how, how difficult or, uh, you know, like custom is this design? Um, can I lean on it? Are there any existing libraries I can lean on? Um, or does everything like a bespoke custom component that we have to start from scratch? Like ideally, you know, and ideally these things have been communicated before you get to the design, but like, okay, we're, we're going to agree to the material UI design, uh, language or, bootstrap or, or semantic UI or whatever, you know, whatever's hot today. Um, you know, so am I, so because for, for a lot of the really simple primitive stuff, I don't want to go and reinvent the button, you know, the input styling. Hopefully we can agree to that and save a lot of time there. And that kind of goes your point, Kareem, about, you know, okay, the library had 10 pixels, you had seven pixels, which one do we want to go with? Um, does it fit into if you're if you're building a product that's part of a greater suite of products for maybe one company? Uh, does this design fit into the overall ecosystem? And again, that probably should have come up early, but maybe you're planning to use components from another product. Maybe you're kind of 
building a library of components to do all these things look consistent? Um, is there anything I can pull or read? Like, I guess, yeah, big thing in, in development anyways, and then the design, is there any reusability? Did we already design part of this page for some other feature? And should I be like pulling those things in? Um, basically all the little, like little details that, you know, you want to cut down on, um, kind of go back and forth on, like, I don't, you know, if it's upfront having like a style guide, that's like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is the font, you know, this is the general typography, general, uh, you know, like dimensions and stuff, you don't want to, those are things you kind of want to cover once and not have to repeatedly ask about. If I can just color that a little bit, I think the reason why developers think about those things is because what, what we're building out is sort of this information architecture or scaffolding, right? You have your data and then how that data actually maps to what's displayed on the screen is what the developer is trying to do. And somewhere in between, we need to care about that the font is the right size, that the padding is the right size, that the colors all work the same. But for the most part, those things are things that can be communicated in a handoff. Things that typically aren't that I've noticed, um, especially in the kinds of applications that we build, is kind of interactions and how visualizations are meant to work with each other. So we build a lot of dashboard type things, right? Being being able to say when you click on this network diagram, it should affect this scatter plot, which is also powered by this time bar that we have, or something else, and how all of those components work together is something that I haven't seen in a lot of my, like the design handoffs that I've gotten, but that we do hash out over Slack um, later on. Those are definitely things that come up. Yeah, that was, that was a great point. Like that error states, you know, things that just don't typically come up in the initial handoff, but immediately, you know, oh, okay, we've got two components and in the design, everything is nice and symmetrical and balanced, but in reality, like this table has 10 times the amount of data as this one, you know, how do we like, it's gonna throw off the scrolling or however you had it, like usually those are the kind of things that will also come up um, and once you get into that, like real, the real world. When, you know, when the design usually follows the happy path, but the happy path is rarely what you're left with. Yeah, that, that's, generally a challenge from the design perspective because like you said you want to you want to show the happy path you want to show the the product team ideally how things will go and yeah oftentimes things like empty states or error states or, or things like that get get left behind and, and you need to make sure that you're still covering off on those kinds of things and, and this is why it's important to have some of these meetings not just uh you know, handing it off because there's a lot of this stuff that happens and as the developers consuming this, you're getting a lot of questions and, uh, you know, confusion on the fly, uh, that it's good to be there to help direct. It's, you know, as, as Phil and Jesus said, when a developer gets this, gets, uh, you know, the artifacts, the first thing they think is, well, we, we have some seriously talented designers at Xperia, first of all, because um, this looks great. Uh, but then it's almost like uh, to give a technical example, it's, it's like a SQL query, right? Um, the, the designs really say what we want and the developers actually coming up with an execution plan to see how, you know, how best to execute on this and develop it. Uh, and out of that comes a lot of questions uh, of, you know, should we make this trade-off or should we make this trade-off? Um, and if the designer is there to give, you know, real-time feedback then uh, they can come up with the best execution plan for the needs.
one of the things that I wondered when I was a more junior developer was why we didn't just solve this problem once and document it somewhere. Um, so I could go look at it and say, okay, this is a, a network diagram. This is how network diagrams work. Now I know what questions to ask. But one of the things that comes up in cons like, especially in consulting, um, is that every client wants it to be just a little bit different. And it's just, just different enough where you can't really generalize these patterns. And, and sometimes we're allowed to go, you know, greenfield and, you know, come up with great new ideas from scratch. Other times you sort of have to map and fit all of that into an existing aging legacy, you know, architecture and design system. So each, each project comes with their own different challenges, which, as you said, Zeus, make it uh, just out of the boundaries of being able to re reuse it uh, over and over again. But par part of this, uh, uh, you know, as part of the, the developer's execution plan is also relating to some of that and identifying places where maybe, hey, it does make sense to pull in something we've done before, right? It's, it's, it's doing that analysis uh, as, as part of this process. Yeah, one of the things that there's, I mean, there, there, there's really no substitute for just getting FaceTime between the designer and, and the developer, right? Because you can put on paper a million things, but one, if you put a million things on paper, no one's going to read it. Um, but two, it's just different in different in, in interpretations as you're reading these things. Um, but I think one of the things that wasn't on our list of topics to cover, but I know we've mentioned internally, is kind of this education that needs to happen across the board, where developers kind of need to learn about simple UI principles, spacing, typography, um, things like that, and designers should learn what like a kind of a, an overview of the tools that developers are using. Um, is that something that, that we think about when we do handoff at Xperia or? Uh, I mean, I feel like John kind of mentioned that earlier, right? Having an idea about what, uh, like what component library, you know, might be, might be used or what the limitations of it may be when coming up with the design. Um, I think, yeah, I feel, I feel like we do. I feel like we're, our designers usually pretty um, aware of kind of the development ecosystem. And likewise, I don't know that the development team is as aware of the design tools other than, oh, I usually always get in this format, it works pretty well for me. Can we do that again? You know, um, like what thing, I don't, yeah, I don't know that I'm, I'm that well versed in what can be expressed in, you know, Zeppelin versus I don't kind of envision all these other tools. Uh, so maybe there'd be better things I could ask if I was, if I like attempted to use them. Yeah, I tried to use sketch and I just wanted to center some text, like, and keep it constrained between like basically text in a box, something that we do every day it takes two seconds to do it with CSS and HTML. I like, it had me going on plugins. I had to go to different blogs trying to figure out which settings would get it to do it right. And then it still never got it right. Um, so yeah, just, you know, shout out to our, 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 our designers for putting up with those tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and at the same time, like, I feel like from the design perspective, having, like you were saying, having that familiarity of how developers do things, the constraints you guys work with and uh, the tools that you work with, you know, having, having that closer collaboration, I think teaches me a lot or has taught me a lot about, okay, how is this going to be perceived by a developer? What are the things that I really want to make sure that I'm communicating clearly? And it also helps me on the other side, think of 
oh, well, I, I know that Kareem is really good at, you know, incorporating these kinds of elements. It kind of gives you as a designer, a little bit more awareness and freedom of what kinds of things are possible. Uh, so it's, it's not just an awareness of, oh, well, this, this would be hard for this developer to, to put together, but it's, it also goes the other way around of saying, oh, well, I, I know our developers are skilled enough to implement something this complicated or complex. Uh, and it's actually easier for them to implement than for me to maybe draw up on a screen. And it kind of frees you up a little bit at the same time. So yeah, I would definitely say that um, cross-pollination, like you were saying, is incredibly important and, and freeing in a lot of ways because it it improves the overall design and it, it improves at least my skill set as a designer uh, and has made my job easier knowing who I can hand these things off to and how capable they are. I do think there's something to be said for the value of having development design under one roof. I think that strengthens both. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've, I've worked on projects where I'm, you know, the sort of solo designer and I'm not working with anyone else at Expiro. And I mean, we can get the job done, but there's a certain element that's missing and there's uh, certain complexities that we aren't able to accomplish. There's certain, just parts of the project that are more difficult as a result. So I think there's something to be said for the value of that a cross pollination, but also just that culture that we've created of having uh, developers and designers, not only under the same roof, but also seeing each other as incredibly valuable and not as competing because it can be very easy. I think in some industries and in some companies for the developers to think that they're all better than the, the designers because they're all just off drawing stuff all day. And the designers are like, well, the developers are all cynical people who don't actually want to make what I come up with. So mm. uh, kind of seeing each other as, as equals and as valuable, I think is also super, super important and a, a valuable part of at least the company culture I've experienced here. And, and the cross-pollination is good for, you know, many reasons, really. One is it'll help developers catch, uh, you know, the design typos. Uh, so if they, if they understand something about spacing and gutters and stuff like that, and they see something that's a little off or different than other places, they can point that out right uh, beforehand. Uh, and two, it's really to help with translation in that the designers and developers really think and speak two different languages, right? Uh, designers more so in symbols, uh, you know, terminology in their tools, whereas developers uh, think more in modules and components. And so being, you know, better versed in the other side helps, helps you translate from one to the other. So there's less stuff that's lost in translation. One of the things that I've always wondered is whether designers take into consideration things like box model versus something like if you're developing for iOS, it uses, or it used to use, I haven't developed for iOS in a while, but the constraint based layout, like do you guys consider that at all? when you're coming up with your designs or is it more about following conventions and patterns? Yeah, it's, I mean, it depends on the project and it depends on if there's already predefined like rules for what the client wants or if I'm coming up with something all, all, all on my own. But um, generally I would say most of design is principle based. It's, you know, what are, what is, what are the tried and true, you know, elements of design and I, th- I think it's a little bit more flexible that way too. It's what, you know, kind of asking the question of how, how can I apply, um, you know, patterns or lessons I've learned to this situation rather than uh, more more technical side. I'm, 
I, I hope I'm answering the question right. I'm not. I'm yeah. not super, yeah. super sure how to, how to word it, but I would say it's yeah. It's, it's largely um, principle based, at least for me. And, and one thing I'd add is that expecting this uh, all this work or thinking implementing some processes up front and it'll just all be smooth from the get go is you know almost foolish. It's it's something that develops over time as you understand the the other sides and it really even varies from you know uh, each designer and each developer right it's it's personalities so as you work with these people and understand them you'll get a better idea of how they work what their you know preferred tools and technologies are um, you know what kind of analysis they do and what sort of questions they'll come back with you know what what sort of area they think in um, and it just develops and improves over time and you have to keep working at it. Yeah, I think we're definitely lucky here at Xperia because I've talked to a few friends who are more, I don't know what the word is, but different style of, of, of consulting companies where a handoff is actually just a handoff. It's, it's, it's very much just like, a, this is the document, this is what we're implementing, expect out as much as we can. But then you're kind of like, you just implement what you're given. I think we're, we're lucky at Xperia that I think we're respected enough to know that, no, sometimes it, like, we don't need all of that to get useful software out. We just need to be able to have time to communicate with one another and build, like, build out the things that need to be built out as opposed to just, here's, word, like, word of God, go build it. Type yeah, thing. I think we're better. I think Xperia is really good at build, putting together teams and that other places might just think of like functional areas like okay here's our rate to get designed here's rate to get that developed but it's not really here's here's what it costs to get this team that'll build your product mm -hmm. yeah i think if we could offer one takeaway it's just build time in your process to get your designers and developers together because those conversations are gonna happen one way or another whether they happen at the end of the cycle when the client is happy with the work or like during the development process, that's that's kind of yeah, yeah definitely. And and if nothing else, the key takeaway from this is communication, right? You have to have it. You have to have lots of it. There's no substitute for it. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or you know whatever personality test you like, uh, you know whatever whatever you are in that, it's it's that communication is critical to this handoff process. Uh, otherwise, you're gonna be setting yourselves up for a lot of frustration and uh, possibly missteps and having to reverse later on. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time.